Welcome, everybody. It's August 6, 2021. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR. And of course, we're still talking about the metaverse. The and, metaverse. And, and a little bit of a celebration. Didn't, didn't you mention this might be our 50th episode, yeah. Charlie? Oh, we've, we've, actually been this, we've been doing this shit for a year, Ted. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've held it together for a year, which is an And, and there's such right? big money in podcasting. Exactly. Us. <laughs> uh, we do have about 500 listeners. So thank you guys on Spotify Absolutely. and iTunes. And, and many people just uh, listen to us on YouTube. I hope they're not looking at us because the visual part of this show is not great. Yeah, um, I mean, just us in our rooms, right? Yeah, so exactly. Wherever we might be in the world that week, but... Um... So if you want to know what we look at, like on Zoom, thirty-six hours a week, <laughs> this is what you look at YouTube. <laughs> I, I do have to tell you, it has been an interesting year. Obviously, you know the, the pandemic year, and now going into two years, but an interesting year spending time with you week over week, dancing into these different areas, bringing these really interesting guests in from all around the planet, doing interesting very forward-thinking things. And I think both of us have learned a lot by the experience. Oh, yeah. And I think our users, our listeners seem to be, you know, they respond back. So it's actually really fun to listen to you guys learn every week about things and talk yeah, about I mean, people, more and more people are bringing it up to me. And I'm always a little bit surprised because this yeah. is, seems like a private thing that we're doing. <laughs> a little bit, but it's but it's opening. The kimono is opening yeah. here every week. Yeah, so. no, I think it's great. And what a conversation last week with Roni Abovitz yeah. about Metaverse. I mean, that guy continues to amaze me by thinking thoughts no one else does. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and he and I talk a lot. Like we are, you know, we're buddies and we and we chat about this and, you know, live through his whole arc with Magic Leap and all this stuff and um, all these things that we take this very long view on how we all work together to prove something out that is futuristic. And I thought last week's episode was a, was a really good example of that. He's a very interesting person to spend time with. So I don't want to keep repeating our pattern with the metaverse, but we do have uh, a guest this morning who is in fact building a metaverse uh, on a shoestring compared to these uh, giants like Facebook. But the interesting thing is uh, on his shoestring, he has actually built this company. Uh, It's called Engage. It's David Whalen, the co-founder and CEO. And so we'll be talking metaverses with him today as well. Um, But I hope that we can move on from metaverses. There's a bunch of other topics that I wanted to bring up, uh, including uh, our friends at Leia. You remember the light field display. They're a spinoff from HP, and they have introduced their own branded holographic uh, light field um, Android pad called the Loom. Uh, which is uh, 650 bucks. And uh, it is quite amazing, Ted, to finally have holograms 3D without glasses um, sitting here on this little tablet. Uh, You know, there's an image that seems to float above the tablet and it seems to have infinite depth inside. So I don't know. I mean, it's very hard to market this because you can't show it. Yeah, that that technology has gone through many, many fits and starts, right? And it has shown up in some uh, automotive uh, displays. I know that Honda was actually using it. It showed up in uh, a company that I was obviously deeply involved in for a long time on the red camera side when they decided to do a a three-dimensional phone. Right, the Uh, hydrogen. Yeah, that was fairly short-lived, but it certainly proved out the point that there would be some interest in this. And, you know, they keep at it. 
Uh, and now they're sort of building a, a, a tablet like a Samsung tablet or an iPad that has that same technology that has this kind of what we call 4D view thing where uh, you don't have to wear glasses and things kind of create this floating um, kind of three or four inches off the screen experience. Um, it's an interesting one. There's another company that I'm pretty interested in. Do you, do you think we'll ever have like a TV that does that? Uh, not only do I think we'll have a TV, that's what I was going to mention. There's a company, I believe they're out of, they're somewhere out of Europe, maybe. Oh, Domenico. Domenico, exactly. That now because we can get 8K displays. Uh, right. that, but that's like a $20,000 thing. Yeah. But, you know, extrapolate year over year, just like yeah. a 4K TV was a $20,000 thing. Now you can buy it at Costco for a grand or two. Um at some point, 8K displays will be as cost-effective as 4K displays. And one of the things you can do when you actually interpolate, interpolate two 4K images is you can get a fairly high-resolution, non-glasses, stereoscopic experience. So I've actually seen it and tested it a few different times. And you can manipulate and move objects. It's interesting for commerce. It might be a consumer technology someday. So between what Leia is doing and what Domenco are doing and a few other companies, it's an interesting space to watch. I you know, I thought, about, I, I thought about something that happened in 1990 with Michael wow. Eisner and Jeff Katzenberg. We were wanted to talk about making 3D animated movies. So we, you know, some of them have been 3Dized yes. through their many, many re-releases and re-releases throughout. And in the 50s, of course, they wanted to, you compete with television by providing more and more spectacular live yeah. movie experiences. Yeah. So, so we watched, I don't, I don't, I think it was uh, um, Sleeping Beauty uh, in 3D. And we got about halfway through the mo movie and Eisner took off the glasses and he goes, this, this sucks. It's really <laughs> uncomfortable. It doesn't really work. Um, you know, how would we ever, you know, release something like this and, and ask kids to wear these glasses? But then flash forward to and so, yeah, right. so wait, so wait, so so he says, so we've got to figure out how to do 3D without glasses. Mm. And there were technology guys from WED and from animation, and they just stood there. Right. And like, at that time, there was no and technology. And they just said, they said, well, the technology doesn't exist. Right. So now and he said, well, we need to have this discussion again when the technology exists. Right. So it's a little late for Michael Eisner to have that discussion, but I would imagine there are people at Disney having that discussion. Well, yeah. So now we know that you know there are 4K projectors that exist in the world, and if you map two, four, eight projectors together, right, you can get a high enough resolution image that you can create some sort of stereoscopic image without glasses. It is still more fantasy than reality, right? I mean, theme park rides when they go 3D still wear glasses. Large mainstream movies and obviously Avatar proved that there would be a commercial desire when it's really well crafted to live inside a three-dimensional world in a movie theater. Um, but I would keep a close eye on that Domenco and their kind of technology touch points because it is very interesting for point of purchase, you know, commerce things and maybe there'll be a home entertainment use case somewhere down the road. For yeah, me. I've got a soft spot for this technology. I wrote about Domenco uh, when we uh, were back in the reel in 2019. Right. And, uh, I got to meet with them at CES. So uh, by the way, CES 2022. Yeah, it's still, still on, I guess we'll see. I guess happens. we're gonna all be masked up, which is unfortunate, but- um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm still now debating NAB, you know, in October because it's a maybe in our, you know, from a company standpoint, there's a lot of discussions on uh, large group gatherings like this. Does it make sense? Uh, what's the upside? What's the downside? I think a lot of 
you know, companies and people are going through their own little personal journeys on this, which I am as well. So uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to David. Yeah. Uh, there's a company called Brain Technologies. Yeah. Uh, they just raised uh, $50 million from company, people like Scott Cook and Lorene Powell Jobs. And they, I mean, 50 million bucks is still real money. And it's for a technology that I don't even understand how it exists. So maybe you can help us out well, here. People I, are going to use their brain to control apps. Yeah, and it's a, it's a natural language processing type thing that they're yes. sort of building in these, I don't know, mnemonic devices, something that like, I, you know, it's, it's kind of fantastic that companies can raise this amount of capital to work on these interesting achievables that have become, you know, in its earlier stages of things, voice uh, recognition, voice awareness, what happened with Siri and all these things started I, I out. Like, I like what you did there, connecting it back to Leia. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, well, let's get to David. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm a big admirer of the company and uh, they've had some great events recently and some big plans. Yeah, you and I have spent time in space with them and in Mars with yeah. them and places that uh, uh, are uh, intriguing and unusual. And I think he'll be an interesting one to talk to. Terrific. Welcome, David. Our guest this morning is David Whalen, the co-founder and CEO of VR Education Holdings, PLC, trading on the Irish exchange as a VRE.L. Um, David and his wife, uh, Sandra, started this company about four years ago uh, with Apollo 11 VR experience and segued into creating uh, the super successful Engage social VR platform, uh, which I use as a college professor, secondary education uh, is a popular application along with corporate training and conferences. Um, you just raised $10 million uh, for, uh, to build Engage into a LinkedIn type of business metaverse. Mm -hmm. I think that's super interesting, of course, on the heels of Epic Games uh, raising $1 billion for a social VR universe that we're not sure they've even created yet, or maybe it'll be built off of Fortnite. But here you are, and you're doing it, and you're doing it on a shoestring, right? VR Education yeah. Holdings is, is the micro cap of micro capiest. <laughs> so, yeah, I, th I think um, we definitely do things uh, quite a bit differently. So with those other metaverses and even what Facebook are doing, um, they're really appealing to seven to 17 year olds that they would get a very small return, maybe five or ten dollars a year out of each user. Whereas we have a, a business uh, platform, which, as you said, educators are using, a lot of corporates are using um, today. So we um, build a business a little bit differently where when we show some real traction, then we'll go and we'll raise capital to make sure that we can um, expand on that growth. Whereas I think typically in America with a lot of startups, they'll raise 50, $100 million. Hopefully they can get an idea together and then become big enough then where they've become self-sustaining. So it is a little bit different. Um, with the metaverse that we're developing, it is aimed at young professionals, uh, business users, uh, users and the general public, but of an older, older age group, maybe 17 and above, where um, we're getting $300 a year per user, you know, typically on the enterprise side of things. And we hope when the Engage Oasis is uh, finally released that with this older age group that they will actually spend more and subscribe to the, the businesses and institutions on the platform, which will build the metaverse themselves. So as an example, um, say an organization will come to us, they will uh, buy a space on this um, Engage Oasis 
their own meta world and they can control what happens in it. They will brand the location. They can provide services through their own location and people can subscribe to that location. So it is a quite a bit different to what Rec Room and all space and Facebook are doing. Yeah, I've done, David and I know each other pretty well and I've done some experimentation on the platform as well as some of the teams that I'm working with has done some experimentation on the platform. We are uh, enthused about it. We've had lots of um, uh, discussions and sort of collab discussions. And I, I think the most interesting point that you make is about sort of scaling it out to slightly different age ranges and different use groups across the professional sectors and different sort of uh, you know, points of view around this use case of the VR versions of the metaverse. Um, just opening that kimono a little bit in terms of finding other demographics seems to be what you're already successful at. And now you're starting to get a real push as the kind of call it mainstream entertainment and social worlds have now embraced this terminology and even gone as so bold as to say we're actually turning our companies into metaverse companies, right? Uh, you've kind of already been there uh, at, the, at the, the inception of that and have already built a pretty robust tool that a lot of companies are already dancing around in. Um, and I think that's uh, good on you. You're, you're on the right track. And obviously investment capital has realized that and that provide you with a little more runway to keep building it. Yeah, exactly. We kind of, um, obviously, we're trying to get the profitability um, as quick as possible as well. You know, I think we, we definitely have a good pathway now, and that's why uh, the investors um, have backed us even more. And we hope to have more news uh, coming uh, quite soon. But it's, it's not um, build something and hope they will come. And um, we've been working with institutions and um, blue chip companies over the last four or five years. And we're just providing what they're asking us um, to provide. So we have about, I'd say, 95% of what goes on in Engage is never seen to the public. Right. Quite typically, an organization will come to us, they'll buy maybe a thousand user accounts, they'll use it internally for events, meetings, and training, and we can never talk about that type of stuff. And you only see a tiny fraction of what actually happens within the platform. And I know there's other platforms as well that actually struggle in, you know, in similar ways. I know Spatial as well, they do a lot of stuff that's really kept private. And um, security is a massive thing as well. You know, I know Facebook are building a metaverse, but Quite often, especially in Europe, a lot of companies would have a hard time actually putting uh, training material on, on a platform where they think maybe the, the, the data might be shared freely. So that's a huge, huge concern over on this side of the pond, which is something that maybe a lot of American companies wouldn't see day to day. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that, you know, business communication uh, in like, let's call it the traditional metaverse, the one that we're in right now on flat screens, uh, is largely, you know, peer-to-peer -peer private or semi-private communication or small group communication. That's effectively how the world goes round, right? Uh, the public touch points of that, uh, where like Charlie and I have some degree of public where we are obviously out in the press every week doing stuff and Charlie spends time on social media and those types of things. Uh, and a lot of you spend time on social media, but the business at large of turning what we used to do in the real world into this mirrored world of we're using the public internet and technology to do it is largely a privatized business uh, and that's a tap point for you so i think that's a good thing for you know to, to to think about to touch on because most of you know video chat communication isn't in the public sphere it's people talking about their work that they're doing or you know small social groups socializing with friends and stuff that's yeah, we're trying to build a sustainable business as well. So with um, you'll see with a lot of businesses and everybody, nearly every startup you hear about now is, oh, we're building a metaverse and we're doing this and we're doing X, Y, and Z. 
Um, but they're really reliant on the, the backers or their investees. And if they fall foul of the investees and they don't get backing, those metaverses will disappear. Mm. Whereas we're building a sustainable ecosystem where it's the, the clients themselves who use it will be generating real revenue um, you know, for their users or real value you know, for their employees and um, their, their businesses in general. And it's kind of really think of our metaverse as a mixture between LinkedIn, Reddit, and what you would typically associate with it with a metaverse, you know, when people read, uh, you know, Ready Player One or some of those other um, earlier books. So it, it's certainly going to be an interesting time, and we have a lot to share in the next six, six to eight months. Um, David, when will we see the upgrade uh, happen on Engage? This this sort of business metaverse, which I guess will be added to the platform, which will continue to provide, um, you know, a place for education and training. Yeah, so you're going to see um, upgrades um, over the next six months of different features. So we'll have, when you log into Engage, you'll still have Engage as a service if you want that privately, and your organization can use it, like they use Microsoft Teams or Zoom. And then um, early next year, we think around the end of Q1, maybe start of Q2 next year, the first half of next year, definitely, you will actually see the birth of the Engage Oasis. And there'll be a major event that will happen. You'll be freely be able to explore the businesses um, that have signed up to use the metaverse and you'll be able to subscribe to those business services if you want to do so. So I can imagine, and we're already actually seeing this with some of our um, partners, there'll be full-time jobs available inside Engage Oasis because a lot of these big organizations, they don't have spatial experts. You know, they're really only dipping their toe in the VR space. Right. They're going to want to hire experts to actually moderate their locations to make sure everybody has a good time and everybody is in there and you know and it's safe to use the platform like i think the quite often when people talk about the metaverse and it's like the very much the wild west and there's a lot of great stuff that happens in these metaverses but then there's also a lot of illicit activities that can happen as well that can really drag um, these metaverses down and that's why i think businesses have really shied away and professional organizations have shied away from this space but that's something that we're, we're hoping to rectify you know it's it strikes me that the notion of a metaverse, um, and just to, to dig, digress or pivot to something that is much bigger picture, it's sort of like these, you know, Russian dolls where there's one inside of another, right? Because Engage is part of a bigger metaverse. When we talk about the Facebook metaverse, it is one aspect of the Oculus metaverse or the Steam metaverse, if you will. Right, so it's sort of a metaverse within a metaverse within a metaverse. So um, now at some point there will be an open HTML-like platform that will break down those barriers. That's what I think of as the metaverse. Once those barriers are gone, of course, now I have a transportable avatar, I have a backpack with you know services and technology in it that I take with me so that I have the same uh, personal interface on Engage that I have when I'm in population one or, or honestly VR chat or any of the social platforms. And I might be moving between you know, VR chat related metaverse destinations and engage-based destinations yeah. in the same way I flip between Facebook and LinkedIn on my personal computer. Yeah, I think it'll be very, I think it'll be slightly different. So I have a slightly different take on it. So when you jump between, say, VR chat and Allspace and whatever Facebook are building, yes, I believe that you probably bring your, your same presence from different locations and it'll be dressed up and you can be whoever you want to be. 
I think the business version of the metaverse, what we're building, will be slightly different. So when you're on LinkedIn, your LinkedIn profile is very professional, you know, and it's an outwards representation of you for the business world. But then when you go on to Snapchat or Facebook, it's completely different. It's your personal space with your friends and family you're in, and you, you know, you're a bit freer there and you put your personal thoughts there. I think this is going to work pretty similar where I think people inside Engage will have their business and professional persona because they want to do business with each other and trade with each other. And then when they go to all space, they can be our VR chat. They can be a furry or they can be, you know, some character from some digital uh, recreation. So I do think it's going to be tailored. And I also think that the people using the engaged metaverse with their own meta worlds will want to have certain types of dress codes. So if you go into say, a blue chip company organization metaverse they're not going to want they're not going to want to have people walking around in bikinis they're going to want to have you know they're going to want to have people walking around in right so you're not going to have a, a business meeting with a giant lizard a yeah. shoe an anime girl and a marine <laughs> exactly and that, that's what we see you know typically i remember i was at a meeting um before in one of the other platforms and i was talking next i was talking to the 18 truck it was somebody avatar with a truck and then I was talking to an anime girl as well. And I just couldn't concentrate. I was, I was laughing my head off. And yeah. it was a fantastic experience, you know, whereas I think when the professionals are trying to do business and, and spark up ideas, I do think they'll want to see your real face and a full body avatar, not like a, a ghostly kind of image, you know, and they definitely want legs as well. Where okay, so yes. Yes, a more realistic, fully embodied avatar, even though it's still sort of like a character from a graphic novel, at least it, you know, has legs and it can do gestures uh, more accurately. And one thing Facebook has been working on with their avatars, they showed a demo of it a few months ago. They're, they're trying to create some semblance of eye contact. Yeah. Right. Yes. But that's, that's really what we're missing in these embodied, um, in these embodied platforms is that at some point you feel kind of like it's a video game because you can't get through that barrier of not making eye contact. Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with, with David's perspective on this, because I've actually been thinking about this a lot, where I use this perspective of the current metaverse that we're all using on multiple platforms, multiple sites. We may have a, a common email address or a couple of email addresses that we use to sign in out of them, but the persona that you have inside the various tools that you may use, your gaming platforms, your Xbox, your PlayStation, your LinkedIn, your Zoom, your, you know, et cetera, et cetera, your Twitter, your Facebook. Well, they may have a common thread to communicate back to you and find something to let you know. Your persona on each of those platforms tends to be represented differently, right? Okay. And I don't think that will change. What we're really changing is the visual tool set, the advancement of the visual tool set to be able to feel like it's more real, to feel like it happens in a spatial universe. So my question to you, David, this is a curiosity, is I anticipate and know a little bit because we've talked and spent time with your dev team, that your dev team is in a regular cadence of wearing VR headsets and maybe now some MR devices on a daily basis because it's their work, but your clientele, how are you finding that your clientele, what is the cadence of them putting a device like this on, uh, on their face versus a traditional compute device 
Like, I'm just curious how you see that business going. Is it really, really early? Are they just doing it for special events and do they have to be sort of prompted into VR or are they kind of like knowing that there's an advanced version of the visual set where they can be inside a spatial universe and they're opting to that? That's a curiosity for me. Yeah, see that our clients really grow into it. So in my own organization, we hold all our daily stand-ups inside virtual reality. So right. they all have their headsets and we do our Kanban boards and our whiteboard sessions. And they're pretty used to it. But the way that our clients start off on the platform typically is no client will come to you and say, we want 3,000 user accounts because we're holding all our meetings in VR from now on. But they do come to us and say, we want to hold this event. We have a budget. It could be 150, 200 grand, whatever it is. And um, our CEO is going to talk and our CTO is going to talk and we're going to host this event. So we will help them host that initial first step as an event. And we get to talk to all the C-level executives, which is fantastic. And then we're actually upselling those um, uh, clients on, okay, you can actually use this for meetings and daily stand-ups. And quite quickly, what happens within a three or six month period is that you will see that they actually set up their remote teams because everybody's working remote now. And once a week, they'll jump, jump into VR and have like a longer uh, stand-up, you know, where they discuss uh, the, what's happened during the week and they will discuss ideas. And then quite often after that, maybe three or four months later, you'll see that it's really after spreading within the organization and they're using it more, maybe two or three times a week. They won't use it all the time. So communication with maybe, if you're having a meeting with five or six people, they'll just use video. If you have a meeting with more than five people, they'll actually start using um, VR because of the spatial nature of it, spatial audio, and they find that they don't get jaded as quickly. You know, you can wear the headset for an hour, it's fine. Whereas if you're on Zoom call after Zoom call, all day for maybe five or six hours a day, you get very jaded very quickly. It doesn't right. really happen typically in a spatial meeting. That's what I anticipated. So it sounds like you're you're starting to see that cadence change, right? Where they would typically sign in on a traditional screen. Now you're seeing a little uptick on them signing into virtual screens, but the events get them in. The events start their their brain and their, their comfort zone. And then they're like, hey, why don't we do this in VR? And then before you know it, they're doing a couple of meetings a week in VR as opposed to on a traditional computer screen interesting yeah and even even with the the meetings and um, they don't hold them in typical meeting rooms anymore so at the beginning we were building digital representations of the real offices and now they just don't do that they'll hold their meeting on the the, the surface of mars or under the water yeah. or they'll ask us to build something really strange quite often with the the, the educational institutions it's the medical um trainers that will come to us first because they have budgets and they hold their meetings inside like a person's head or in someone's spleen and stuff like that. Like, so we like it when they get like really crazy far out ideas. Yeah, they're gamifying it, right? Which it's, is pretty it's actually game, gamifying it as well. And I think uh, with Engage as well, which is very useful, is we are the only um, virtual reality social platform available inside China. The whole service is running inside China and our partners, HTC, actually um, are really starting to push out the boat there with the release of the the Vive Focus 3, and we're going to make this uh, metaverse interconnect as well. So um, as much as the Americans like virtual reality and Europeans like the, the, the Asians really, really uh, go streets streets ahead when, with the adoption of technology, especially in places like Korea, uh, China, Japan. Well, David, we need to wrap up our chat this morning. Um, thank you again for joining us. I, I guess the last thing uh, I wanna ask you is um, how the LinkedIn uh, of VR is gonna work for your typical user, because you know I know you talked about companies setting up shop there, but those companies yeah. need customers, they yeah. need visitors, 
you, you know, the whole reason to have a LinkedIn is you want people on the outside to look in at you. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's the VR equivalent? How does, the, how does that work, that freemium individual level work? Yeah, so there is a free, um, a free user account on Engage where if you sign up, when the Oasis is open, you can freely explore all the public areas that these organizations have set up. You know, so you might have an organization like TEDS, as an example, set up something for a movie. You know, and you can walk through the set of that movie. And then maybe you want to subscribe to learn how to make movies, as an example. And you could subscribe to a service, you know, and that's between you and the organization as part of the metaverse. You know, so there'll be lots of stuff to do. There'll be events to attend, free events as well, um, music events as well. Kind of the events that you would typically um, recognize, but the subscription services is, is going to be a, a real game changer for us learning from professionals on different services and really the way i see it is imagine a world and i'm just going to use these two companies as an example i'm not saying that they'll be on it but imagine the metaverse facebook world right next to the metaverse twitter world and then the employees of both of those organizations can actually freely talk and communicate with you with each other in the free lobby areas and generate new business ideas the same as people do on linkedin and hopefully that will generate increased value for the organizations that they're working for mm. David Whalen of VR Education Holdings, operators of the Engage social uh, VR platform for professionals. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, this has been another great conversation about the metaverse. We just can't get away from it today, Ted. Yeah, it is the you know discussion du jour, right? It, <laughs> it's the, the world that we've lived in and are going to live in in the future. So that makes a lot of sense, Charlie, that we're talking a lot about it. Really good talk, David. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Charlie. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mm -hmm.